The Northwest Montana Lookout Association is an organization dedicated to the restoration and preservation of historic fire lookouts. Fire lookouts still stand as crucial structures for locating fire, especially in these dry years. Come along on this episode of the Nature Journal for a fun tour and great views among the peaks with board member Chell Peterson. Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana, my favorite mountain range. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, today we welcome Chell Peterson of the Northwest Montana Lookout Association. Chell, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, John. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. So this association was founded 12 years ago, and you were one of the, the founding members. Why did you found the Northwest Montana Lookout Association, Chell? Well, there were about a dozen of us that started volunteering for the Hungry Horse Ranger District staffing vacant lookouts. And as we started to do that, A year or so afterwards, several of us started talking about, well, maybe we could form an organization to help the agencies maintaining the lookouts, and that's what led to the whole organization. What do you see as the most important things you do? Let's say, think of two or three things that are the most important things you do. Well, of course, the most important thing we do while we're up there is we scan and scan and scan and look for fires. Probably the second most important thing we do is we meet and greet the public, because there are a lot of people who've never been on a lookout before, and they're just enthused and thrilled and really excited about visiting us. And probably the third important thing we do is we just chill. (laughs) And you, you restore lookouts too, right? We do. We do mostly maintenance and uh, that's the main the main crux of uh, the Northwest Montana Lookout Association is providing volunteers and we rehab and restore and just keep the remaining structures from going away. Now, you've been at this a long time as far as lookouts and so on, and you're very inspired for them. In 1967, you worked for the Forest Service. Tell us about how you kind of started out with lookouts that year. Well, I was finishing up forestry summer camp at Lubrecht, and there were about 20 of us from Iowa State University that did not want to go back to (laughs) Iowa for the remaining month of the fire season. And we got hired as an emergency fire crew on the St. Joe National Forest. And after our fire training, we actually got to go to a fire before the season was over. And on our way to the Fawn Lake Fire, we spent the night at Surveyor's Ridge Lookout, and that was my first exposure to a lookout. Now, you say it becomes part of your DNA. I mean, I've gone to a lot of lookouts as well, but I, I can't say it's become part of my DNA. How would you describe that? Well, John, if you go visit a lookout, it's way different than spending time on a lookout. Mm. And so my first summer was 1968 when I spent on Snow Peak Lookout, and then I've been doing lookout stuff 
all the years ever since. And when you actually spend time on a mountaintop, your whole world slows down. I call it the closest thing you can get to outer space or near zero gravity. <laughs> you know, you just made a good point that I haven't thought of. I mean, I've been to a lot of lookouts, but I've never stayed more than a couple hours. Yeah, and that's the whole difference. You know, it's important to go visit lookouts, but if you can rent one, stay overnight, stay a couple of days, it goes into your DNA and changes the way your brain works. Now, you've had a couple of uh, interesting experiences with wildlife when you've been up on those lookouts. Uh, tell us one of your fun ones. Well, my best one was uh, while I was staffing firefighter lookout up between Hungry Horse Reservoir and Great Northern Mountain. It was middle of August, sunny, quiet, calm morning, about 8 o'clock. I was getting ready to eat my oatmeal, opened the doors and windows, and the local wolf pack started to howl. Hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was just absolutely mesmerized by the whole thing. It was about 15 minutes, and I had to remind myself more than once to keep breathing because I just, I just sort of was dumbstruck by what I was listening to. And like I said, I had to remind myself to keep breathing. Well, that's pretty neat. That's a, that's a long listening to a wolf pack. You usually don't hear them that long. So boy, you got that in you. I see how you would get that into your DNA. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take too many things like that to leave a deep impression on your soul. Now we talked about the Brad Treat situation where the young Forest Service ranger was killed by the grizzly. And you had an experience during about that same time with the grizzly up on Firefighter. Tell us about that. Yeah, just a few days after Brad was killed, I was sitting on the catwalk about 6 o'clock one evening reading, uh, sunny, warm, beautiful, and I looked down on the road and a grizzly bear was walking up the road and I went, oh my gosh, I wonder if that's Brad's bear. And I quietly got up, went inside, got my camera, took some photos, and I, I was a guide in Glacier for a dozen years or so, so I was kind of used to being around grizzly bears. And for years and years and years, I, when I was hiking with guests, I was always going, hey bear, hey bear. And I sort of wondered, I wonder if they ever really pay attention. So after I got my photos, I came out with an hey bear, and the big guy just froze in his tracks, was looking around trying to figure out where where that voice was coming from. And of course, I was 50 feet in the air, and he couldn't figure out where it was. But I definitely figured out that they do pay attention, and I was very religious for about a week taking my bear spray to the outhouse. <laughs> that reminds you to do it, right? And you talked about see God moments, and the St. Joe, tell us about that one in Idaho. Well, that was 1968, 50-plus years ago, my second summer working for the Forest Service, and I staffed Snow Peak Lookout on the Red Eyes Ranger District. And one afternoon, a storm came in, and my tower took a direct hit three separate times. And I've always referred to it after that as, as my sea god moment. Did you feel any electricity from it or anything? Yeah, my skin crawled, my hair kind of stood on end. Of course, when you're on a tower uh, in a storm, you gotta be careful so you're not in between metal objects because Electricity will often jump between the firefinder and the stove or, or those sorts of things. So you always use your chair and stay out of the way, keep the doors and windows closed. It did fry my, my AM transistor radio that day, so I spent the rest of the summer without any music. 
Well, you know, I once in Glacier, I was hiking on McDonald Creek, my wife and I, and there a big storm rolled in, and there was some big lightning and thunder, and I actually got hit by some of the electromagnetism in my bunny bone of my elbow, and I could boom, I could feel it hit it, and like for probably another couple of days, that that arm was a little bit numb. So, you, do you ever have any anything like that happen? No, I never had any after effects, but. When a storm gets close like that and starts popping down around you, you go on high alert. That's right. And, you know, you talked about it being therapy and being life in slow motion up there. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, after you're there a couple of days, when you first get up there, you're going, I mean, you're still going a thousand miles an hour like you are down in civilization. And then slowly you start moving into slow motion and you find yourself after a few days sitting watching a tree blow in the wind for an hour or watching a mama grouse and her chicks walking on the ground down below catching grasshoppers and eating and you can just watch watch them for an hour and then you look at the clock and you go where where did the last hour go yeah you're kind of inspiring me because i go to lookouts quite a bit i do the apgar one quite a lot but I never do this. I just go up and look around, and there's all, for one thing, there's usually other people there. Well, the thing is, there are some available rentals where you can rent an overnight mm-hmm. and experience that. I can tell you there's nothing that compares to sunrises and sunsets. They leave a mark on your brain. My first, my first gig on Firefighter, I remember just going completely crazy, and I came home with 1,200 photos. <laughs> now that's over the top, Joe. Even that's even for me, that would be over the top. Well, let's go through a few of our favorite lookouts you and I have visited about a little bit. Let's start with Apgar. Apgar is a really nice one that you can hike up to fairly easily, and it's not staffed, so you never have to worry about somebody chasing you away up there. But it does get quite a few hikers in Glacier just because it is so available, but gives you a really awesome look up. Lake McDonald and up towards the the High Line. So, you know, if you're looking for one to just visit without an outrageous amount of energy, put Apgar on your list. I Like I was telling you, I usually go up there maybe a dozen or more times because it's so accessible and it's so close. Kalispell, really, it only takes 45 minutes to get to the trailhead. Well, and the other thing is there's a, a webcam up there. So yeah. If you time it correctly and tell one of your friends, you can run out on the ridge a little ways, wave at the webcam, and they can capture it down here somewhere. I've done that, too. I've done that. So let's talk about, we we have just a minute left here, too. Let's talk about the Mount Brown lookout. That's a really kind of one for for the not the faint of heart. Yeah, Mount Brown's a, a real energetic climb, if I can say. I remember the first time I hiked up there, there was a guy and a gal coming down, and she was backing down the trail (laughs) because she had failed to tighten her boots, and she was jamming her toes into the front of her boots, and she was in such pain she could hardly walk. But anyway, it's a beautiful view looking down McDonald Lake. You can always expect to meet at least one mountain goat up there, so (laughs) be prepared for that. And if you go up in the fall, you can usually hang out with the, the raptor survey folks mm. and get some good education there. And as you and I spoke, it's, it's the home of a bunch of actually food-conditioned mountain goats that will harass you. They will. And I've actually kind of smacked them with a rock or two once in a while because <laughs> they will come right up. And if you get a good close look at those horns, they'll do real damage. Well, we're running out of time, Chell, but Huckleberry is another good one for folks to look at. It's another close drive to Kalispell, and it's a great lookout. So just wrapping it up here, how does a, the average person get involved? Maybe they listen to us here and, hey, I want to get more involved in the Lookout Association itself. What do they do? Well, Google 
Northwest Montana Lookouts, and our webpage will jump up. Our Facebook page will jump up. You can check us out. Contact us. We'll let you know how to join, how to get involved. We're getting ready to come out shortly with our 2023 projects. So we're always anxious to draw more lookout freaks into the organization. (laughs) Well, that's great, Chell. Thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, it was a pure joy. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Nature Journal. We'll see you next time.